Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another Sunday worship rally here at Mission House. We're so glad that you can come and join us uh, this morning. Uh, this morning we begin uh, Black History Month celebration here at Mission House. Uh, we actually are starting a new series called The Gospel According to Harriet Tubman. So I'm pretty excited about uh, sharing a history, lifting up the legacy of black people, specifically Af the people who were Af of African descent, who are what we call the African diaspora. The African diaspora, uh, diaspora re refers to the dispersion. So those people who were from Africa, who were dispersed through colonialism and slavery or through exploration, through travel, uh, throughout the rest of the world, whether South America, North America, Europe, Asia, different parts of the world. And so we say the African diaspora referring specifically uh, to people who have uh, been dispersed from Africa to other parts of the world. And so Black History Month is a celebration, a lifting up of that history, not just of African-Americans, but all of all peoples of African descent. And so you have different uh, countries, you had different nations that actually celebrate Black History Month, especially in the Western world. Uh, uh, to my shock, and uh, actually, uh, um, I did not expect to read this in my studies, uh, but I, I learned uh, that, um, that Ireland and the Netherlands actually celebrate Black History Month. Ain't that something? That's amazing, isn't it? And so we're going to begin our series, Black History Month. We're kicking it off today. Uh, we got several things happening in Mission House uh, for uh, Black History Month. Uh, so uh, we'll have announcements today. So hopefully uh, you'll be able to tap into uh, what's going on here and also in a larger community. A lot of good things are happening. Uh, but I won't belabor this. Let's get right into the scripture this morning. Uh, my primary text this morning is that of Psalm 139. Um, I'm pretty excited about the word. Let's let's read the word. Lord, bless the reading of the word today. Uh, bless this word. Bless the message, God. Uh, may our hearts be open to what you have to say to us. And may it bring forth uh, kingdom fruit in our lives, God, as we learn and love and to lift up the legacy of our dear sister, our mother in Zion, uh, Harriet Tubman. We just pray uh, that you the word will be blessed and that our lives will be blessed and that we be a blessing uh, for other people. And so uh, I want to read to you from uh, Psalm 139. I'll be reading Psalm 139, 1 through 16. And uh, here it goes. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. 
the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Carter G. Woodson said, and we'll talk a little bit more about who Carter G. Woodson is. Considered the father of Black History Month or Negro History Week. We'll talk a little bit about that. But he said this once. He says, those who have no record of what their forebears have accomplished lose the inspiration which comes from the teaching of biography and history. In other words, there is, if there's no record of our ancestors, says Carter G., we lose the inspiration, something to think about there. When we reflect about the inspiration of our ancestors, those who have come before us, who live lives of excellence and perseverance and sacrifice, he said there's something about that. Also meaning this, we can gain inspiration when we look at the historical record of those that came before us. Amen. So we're at the beginning of Black History Month. I'm very excited about all the events and gatherings that we will have here at Mission House this month. Although myself and many others here lift up and celebrate black history and culture throughout the year. February still holds a special place where we can concentrate our efforts in an extraordinary way. People joke about Black History Month uh, being in February, the shortest month of the year. But uh, there's actually some history about why it is in February. But what is Black History Month? Black History Month, also known as African American History Month in the United States, is an annual observance in Canada, Ireland, and the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Yeah, yeah, I know. A lot of people don't know that. It began as a way for remembering important people and events in the history of the African diaspora. It is celebrated annually in the United States and Canada in February, as well as in the United Kingdom, the Netherlands, and Republic of Ireland in October. Now, Dr. Carter G. Wilson was very intentional with having Negro History Week, later becoming Black History Month in February. Starting in 1926, Negro History Week was a way to address the importance of black folks remembering their history. Dr. Wood, Dr. Woodson stated, if a race has no history, it has no worthwhile tradition. It becomes a negligible factor in the thought of the world and it stands in danger of being exterminated. The Hebrews or Jewish people keenly appreciated the value of tradition as is attested by the Bible itself in spite of worldwide persecution. Therefore, they are a great factor in our civilization. This week was chosen this week, that week in February was chosen by Dr. Wilson because it coincided with the birthday of Abraham Lincoln on February 12th and of Frederick Douglass on February the 14th. 
both of which dates back to communities had celebrated together since the, since the late 19th century. Dr. Carter G. Woodson was a black American a historian, author, journalist, and the founder of the Association of the Advancement of Colored People. There's a deep history there. There's a deep history there. Um, he's the founder of the Association of Study of African-American Life and History. He was one of the first scholars to study African-American history, a founder of the Journal of Negro History in 1916. Woodson has been often cited as the father of black history. In February 1926, he launched the celebration of Negro History Week, the precursor of Black History Month. Black History Month, as we understand it today, was first proposed by black educators and the black United, black United students at Kent State University in February 1969. The first celebration of Black History Month took place at Kent State one year later from January 2nd, 1970 to February 28th, 1970. Six years later, Black History Month was being celebrated all across the country in educational institutions, centers of black culture, and community centers both great and small. When President Gerald Ford recognized Black History Month during the celebration of the United States, or the United, United States Bicentennial, he urged Americans to seize, quote, seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. This month, I want to lift up a person in history whose faith and life still inspires many people, whose life can teach us many things about life with God, um, specifically walking with God in this beautiful and broken world. And that person is Harriet Tubman. My hope with this series is that you gain a deeper knowledge of her life and also see what we can learn from her as followers of Jesus in a world filled with sin, despair and oppression. As a black woman, the level of oppression uh, she encountered was staggering and very complex. But her faith in God through it all is truly inspiring. This woman said, she's quoted as saying, I prayed to God to make me strong and able to fight. And that's what I've always prayed for ever since. Harriet Tubman, some of you have heard of Harriet Tubman before. And Black History Month rolls around. She's going to be at least mentioned at least once or twice uh, in any kind of black history program or any kind of black history anything show uh, program or whatever, but I want to go a little deep with her life and her story. Harriet Tubman, aka Black Moses, amen, Black Moses, uh, and that says a lot right there, right? Uh, born Elemental Ross, or Minty, as she was called on the plantation, born January 29th, 1822, was an American abolitionist. An abolitionist was a person who organized people to, to fight and struggle against the legalization of slavery. They wanted to abolish 
the legality of slavery. And so she was an abolitionist and political activist born into slavery. Tubman escaped and subsequently made some 13 missions to rescue approximately seven enslaved people, family and friends, using a network of anti-slavery activists and safe houses known as the Underground Railroad. She later helped abolitionist John Brown recruit men for his raid on Harper's Ferry during the American Civil War. She served as an armed scout and spy for the United States Army in her later years. Tubman was an activist in the struggle for women's suffrage. But what is often missing? What is often missing in the telling of her story is her spirituality and how it was connected to her work of freeing slaves and fighting for women's suffrage. Tubman's friends and fellow abolitionists claimed that the source of her strength came from her faith in God as a liberator and protector of the weak. She said this once, I always told God, I'm going to hold steady on you. And you've got to see me through. Tubman said she would listen carefully to the voice of God as she led slaves north and she would only go where she felt God was leading her. And it's a part of a story that we often don't hear about is the deep spirituality of this woman, this woman who walked closely with God. Quite frankly, this woman was a mystic. She had a very deep life with God, so much so that there's stories about how she would have visions and dreams of God showing her which route to take, which streams to follow, what paths to take when she was trying to take slaves up north out of the south. She would listen to God. Fellow abolitionist Thomas Garrett gave this account of her. I never met any person of any color who had more confidence in the voice of God. There is a specific point in her story I want to focus on today. Her desire for freedom. And how that desire for freedom aligned with God's desire for freedom. Specifically, how her desire aligned with the desire of God. Can you imagine that for a moment? Our desires aligning with the desire of God. A psychologist once said, once observed, that dreams are the royal road to the unconscious. But in discernment, in, in gaining clarity about life and purpose, desires are the royal road to self-knowledge. As our biblical text says this morning, you have searched me, Lord. Psalm 139, 1 through 4. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. God knows our desires, y'all. God has deep, intimate knowledge of our inner world and desires more so than we know ourselves. Y'all know the old saying, God know me better than I know myself. Writer Elizabeth Liebert in her book, The Way of Discernment, talks about the power of knowing our deepest desires. When we know our deepest desires, we know something important, not only about ourselves, but also about God. 
as our deepest desires come from and point to the same God. Desires are also powerful expressions of our passions, and these passions are what move us to action. Thus, when we know our desires, we will also be alerted uh, to the potential for our most powerful actions in the world. So what does that mean? So there's desires at the surface that we have, passions, motivations that we have. And because God framed us and made us, God gave us desires. They are our deepest desires. The Bible says that the purpose is in a person's heart like deep waters, but it takes a man of understanding to draw them out. So what I'm saying is you got deep desires buried deep down inside of you that came from God. Harriet Tubman once said, slavery is hell, liberty is heaven. It took Tubman to have an exchange of desire, hers for God's, to carry her out of the hell of slavery into the heaven of liberty. She had the desire for freedom before she was physically free. How many of y'all frustrate yourselves when you try to demand, when you try to demand of us, of others, to walk in freedom, when there is no desire for freedom, freedom to be who God made us to be, freedom to walk into our destiny. Because the thing is, the fact of the matter is, something's got to shift. Repeat after me. Say something's got to shift. There's a quote I often attributed to Tubman that if that she says has been attributed to her as saying that if these if that if those she was trying to free only understood that they were slaves, they desire freedom. Something's got to shift. Sometimes people don't know they are slaves to a hell that keeps them chained in the chains of oppression. Something's got to shift. Some folks are content in living in hell on earth. Would you agree? Repeat again. Something's got to shift. It starts with desire and imaginations. Your desire cannot take you where your imagination cannot see you. Let me repeat that again. That's Brother Nigel Fleming. He said, your desire cannot take you where your imagination cannot see you. How does it look to have the right desires? How does it look to have the right desires? And you cannot see where you're going. How does it look to, to want freedom? To want purpose? To want healing and cannot see it? You can want different and not see different. Isn't that crazy? You can desire, you can want something different, but you can't see it. Because of the imagination is limited. Many people want different, but cannot see different. Wanting something different and better is only half the battle. You got to see different. There's a Jesus story that captures this powerfully. In John 5, it says sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid 
for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Did you catch that? Jesus asked him, man, do you want to get well? Jesus didn't just walk by like he did with some folk. He didn't just heal him. He just didn't touch him. And he got up and walked. Jesus asked him, he said, do you want to be healed? Do you want this? Do you want to be different? Can, do you desire something different? Do you desire to be well? And the man actually responds in the affirmative. Sir, the invalid, the invalid uh, replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. What do we learn here is Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. See, y'all, this man had a desire to be healed. But his imagination wasn't there yet. He couldn't see himself picking up his mat and walk. He saw himself just limited by the circumstances in which he was in, by limited by the stories that he had been told up to that point that he had to wait for the stirring and he had to get past this large crowd to get down there. So his imagination, his desire was right. His desire to be healed was right, but his imagination was limited. So he couldn't even act out his desires because his imagination was narrow and anemic. It was, it was starved. He could only see what other people had told him, the only way that he could be healed. Sometimes we desire something different, but haven't yet imagined it. So it takes Jesus giving this man new language, new words. Jesus says, man, just take up your mat and walk. Jesus says things. Jesus, Jesus feeds, Jesus sees, so seeds of words of healing into his desire so he can begin to open up his imagination to see. All he had to do, because he's in the presence of Jesus now, the, the creator made flesh. Now that he's in the presence of Jesus, imagination takes a whole nother route that he can't even imagine. He takes up his, he thinks, okay, all I got to do is take up my mat and walk. Jesus says, take up your mat and walk. And what does he do? He takes up his mat and walk. Why? Because his imagination now is opened up to fulfill what he had desired. His deepest desire could be lived out now because his imagination had been opened up. Sometimes we desire something different but haven't yet imagined it. Harriet Tubman is echoing this Jesus story. She desired freedom and saw herself being free. Yes, you got to have a desire for something different. But you got to begin to see yourself different. Mm -hmm. Jesus is saying to this man, okay, great, you desire to be healed, but I'm going to need you to see yourself picking up that mat and walking again. Amen. Some of you are here this morning. You want to be free in purpose, free from the hell you're in. But now is the time to imagine different, to see differently. It's almost like you like the, the brother by, uh, by the pool, by the, by the colonnades, and, and, and you, you're telling Jesus, like, yeah, Jesus, I desire different. I want things different for my life. I want things different for my family. I want things different for my community. But your imagination, yet you have not get, gained a new imagination. You can't see differently yet. So Jesus had to give him new words to open up his imagination. May we be like Harriet Tubman. She wanted different. She saw different. She acted different. 
She wanted freedom. She saw freedom and acted on her freedom. My God, when you want different, see different, act on what you see, then you must go back and be a voice of freedom for other people. You can't keep your freedom to yourself. Tupman's desire and imagination freed her up to be a free person in the midst of a hell of slavery. But she didn't keep her freedom to herself. She turned around and went back for her brothers and sisters in bondage. You see, brothers and sisters, God frees us not just for our own lives, but for the lives of those around us. This is what we get from Jesus' life as well. His resurrection from the bondage of death was the freedom of others. May we be different. May we desire different. May we imagine our lives different than we could ever imagine from before.